We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The Chicago Bears select. Welcome to Picks for Pace, presented by the Bear Report. Your number one source for everything Chicago Bears draft news, analysis, scouting reports, and more. Presented by Blue Wire Pods. And now, making their way to the podium, Andrew Freeman and Usaid Koshal. Welcome to Picks for Pace, a Chicago Bears draft podcast presented by the Bear Report. My name is Andrew Freeman, and of course, I'm happy to be joined by my co-host, Yusei Koshal. Yusei, we are recording this episode on Thursday, September 16th. We are, you know, following up with that game with the Bears and Rams, and it was a, you know, it was a fun week, I thought, of NFL action in week one, um, but, you know, that Bears game was, uh, you know, kind of went how I expected, but, you know, a little bit of a buzzkill in terms of ending the week of football, but Overall, it was a pretty fun week with college football and then the NFL and everything going on. How are you doing this week, man? I'm doing well. Obviously, you got the Bengals coming to town here. I think what's significant about this game is that it is the first time, actually, in a regular season game that the Bears are going to have fans watching the game live in Soldier Field for the first time since... 2019, which the Bears' last home game, if you remember that year, was Patrick Mahomes on Sun and the Chiefs on Sunday Night Football in a game where Al Michaels and Chris Collins were seemingly would not shut up about the Mitch Trubisky, Patrick Mahomes, Deshaun Watson type thing. I'm glad that's all past us now because those narratives got old within three to four months of, or just annoying within three to four months of drafting Trubisky. I guess you could say the Bears are on to bigger and better things now but that's what Justin Fields, not necessarily with Andy Dalton at quarterback. Yeah. And you know, it, this entire quarterback situation, and we'll get into our, a little bit of a recap for the bears Rams game where the, the Rams beat the bears, you know, 34 to 14 to kick off this podcast today. But uh, yeah, the quarterback situation, you know, it is what it is. And it's something that, you know, I feel like the bears have put on themselves more than anything. Cause you know, everyone knows that Justin Fields is going to play at some point and you can just tell with the players and the coaches, you know, it's, it's, I feel like it's getting close to that point. And, you know, we saw it on this past Sunday that this offense, you know, it, it I thought, honestly, you say just watching this game um, that, 
the offense for the Bears showed some progress in this game. Like, if you compare the way the Bears play against this Rams team to the last couple of times these two teams have played, where the offense couldn't move the ball, there were turnovers all over the place. It just, like, it, it was a mess the last couple of times these two teams played for the offense here. In this one, it, you know, it felt like, you know, the Bears are able to move the ball a little bit more efficiently. They're running the ball effectively. You know, Andy Dalton, while well, he doesn't do anything spectacular in this game, you know, he was able to, you know, hit the completions that were there. He also made a couple of key mistakes in this game that really cost the Bears and really uh, put things out of reach for them near the end of this game there. We kind of saw the limitations that Andy Dalton does have as a quarterback. So, you know, it, it's, you know, I, I just had the feeling that we're going to get to Justin Fields sooner rather than later. And with the way that he was utilized in this game, where he had that, you know, five player so package in this game, getting that touchdown run in this game, um, a couple of the creative things that they decided to do with him um, with whatever their, whatever that package was there. Um, I just had the feeling that this coaching staff players, they're all itching to get him on the field and that we're going to see Justin Fields out there um, sooner rather than later. Yeah, you certainly hope that that's the case because, again, if you're Matt Nagy, you've pretty much sat in your office all offseason. Every time you spoke to the media, you've had nothing but good things to say about Justin Fields kind of updating everyone throughout training camp. Hey, what's Justin's progress? I mean, there's an entire timeline, and we've been following this whole thing here at the Bear Report. If you followed all of our work, I mean, Justin gets drafted April 29th, and then the first step is, hey, he needs to learn how to call plays into the huddle because didn't do that at Ohio State. Second week of training camp comes around. Justin's pretty much already mastered that. And now the next step is, hey, can Justin begin to master the pre- and post-snap progressions? What is he going to – what is Justin seeing pre-snap? What is he going to see post-snap? What are defenses going to throw at him? Justin said himself, like, look, my biggest takeaway is that the defensive linemen are much bigger in the NFL compared to college football. And now you wonder, okay, what's the next step after having mastered calling plays into the huddle and then testing to see whether or not Justin really has mastered pre and post snap progressions reads what defense they're throwing at him. It's getting those live reps to see what he can actually do because people tend to forget so much. And I know it's been such a hot debate. We know what Justin is physically. We know he's a dual threat quarterback. We know that he runs a four, three, 40 yard dash. We know he's mobile. He's elusive. He's got great pocket presence, but the question for him has been, Hey, can he play fast enough? What is the mental side of the game look like? And so ultimately those pre and post snap progressions that Matt Nagy talked about, about a month, a month and a half ago, those kind of play into the mental side of the game's into the mental side of football for Justin Fields. So you need to get him out onto the field. I mean, I does not matter at this point, Andy Dalton being the starting quarterback, like that does not matter. What really matters is, hey, the sooner you get Justin out onto the field, the better it's for his development. And by the way, I know it's been a hot debate amongst the Bears fan base too. Said it at the start of the season, and I'm going to say it again. I do not think that Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy are on kind of a one-year window I think it's a two-year window these guys are tied at the hip when it comes to Justin and they're gonna have till the end of 2022 to really prove hey this is what we're able to do but with that said once 22 2022 does roll around I do think both Nagy and Pace are on one-year deals after that until they can continuously prove hey we figured it out the quarterback position 
Yeah, and, and to kind of continue that conversation along, you know, I, everyone kind of overreacts to week one all the time in the NFL. Like we, we saw it, you know, last year where, you know, the Jaguars, they they won their first game against the Colts. And everyone's like, okay, Jaguars, maybe they're not so bad. Maybe this gardner Minshew thing can work. And it turns out, nope, they're the worst team in the NFL, right? And, you know, we see similar things like this all the time. We're like, or like the Cardinals last year, they they beat the defending Super Bowl champions. I was set, defending NFC champions, I should say, San Francisco 49ers in week one. And everyone's crowning the Cardinals as, you know, this is a really good team right here. This is a team that could be a, a sneaky contender. And what happens, they miss the playoffs. Like week one is a crazy week every single year. And a lot of unexpected things happen that, um, aren't really real, so, so to speak. Like, remember that one? I remember, the, I think it was 2018 where Ryan Fitzpatrick had like the first four weeks, three weeks of the year, he was on a pace for like having the greatest quarterback season a quarterback has ever had with the Tampa, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And immediately, once he played the Bears in week four, that, that all fizzled out. Like, early in the season, things are going to be a little bit wonky here as these teams figure, figure out what they are as a team. And so, again, Everyone freaking out about, you know, how Matt Nagy should be fired after this week. You know, why aren't the wide receivers, you know, running anything deep? Why are we just running all these curl routes right here? Why aren't we challenging defenses, uh, the Rams down the field more? All of this stuff, I feel like, is going to be figured out as the season progresses. And, you know, whether, you know, the coaching staff can adjust or not, we'll end up seeing. It's only week week one. You know, everyone, I think, and here's here's the funny thing for me, you say, like, what happened against the Rams on Sunday wasn't anything new or unexpected. Like we, I feel like anyone that was, you know, a rational objective observer or as objective as you can get when analyzing this team could probably tell you that this game was probably going to go the way it did. You know, the bears, at least for me, at least they went exactly how I thought it was going to go. The bears, they hung around uh, and, you know, for the most part through three quarters, uh, they kept the game close. They ran the ball effectively against the, the Rams who were playing light boxes all games. They moved the ball down the field. They were, you know, dinking and dunking down the field because the Rams, they don't allow you to get anything deep. And at the end of the day, like the Rams just have a much bigger talent advantage. Like they dominated their secondary, you know, the secondary couldn't cover anybody. The offensive line couldn't block anybody, especially in pass protection. Like Aaron Donald, like absolutely wrecked this game for, for <laughs> the, the Rams here. Like it was it was not a pretty day for the offensive line, especially in pass protection. And, and look, Andy Dolan is what he is as a quarterback. And we, I want to see Justin Fields out there as much as anybody, but I ask Bears fans to not panic yet. Uh, and, you know, that kind of brings us into the Bengals discussion, which we'll get to at the end of this podcast. But as of right now, I think it's time to calm down on the firing pace and nagging conversation, What, which, you know, again, I'm going to be as critical as I can't, as possible towards pace and Nagy because you know certainly I've been negative towards pace's roster building on this podcast in the past like pretty consistently I've, I've been consistent in the fact that you know Ryan Pace he's done a poor job of managing the cap he's done a poor job with the roster construction on this team over the past couple of years too many high-priced veterans on big contracts um, not enough draft picks to kind of support that uh, like, there's been a lot of bad with Ryan Pace here but at the end of the day like you kind of said it they we're aggressive and going out there and trading up to get Justin Fields. And I feel like ownership is going to let them see this through unless we see a complete disaster this year, which I don't think is going to, which it could happen, honestly, with the way, you know, things kind of got played up in the media uh, this last week with some of the comments we're seeing from some of the players and some of the coaches, that stuff can be a little bit worrisome, but I feel like, you know, if, if when Justin Fields 
as soon as he takes the field, and which I think will be sooner rather than later, I think things are going to turn for this team a little bit. I think they are going to win some games um, that a lot of people may not expect this year. I think they'll be competitive enough to where Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy make it to year two, and then we'll really see what they have in store for us. Yeah, you go back to that Rams game. I mean, the offense, look, were there signs of progress because they were able to move the ball consistently? Yeah, I mean, the Bears had, I think, seven or eight drives. They had the ball for about 35 minutes, 14 seconds, and really it was just ball control, knowing that you need to keep an explosive Rams offense off the field, which, by the way, and we said this too last week, previewing the Rams game, that Matt Stafford was going to take advantage of any breakdowns in the secondary and that he made the offense more explosive than players like Jared Goff have had in years past. When you look at the Bears, I mean, you touched on everything regarding the offense. Let me go to the defense here. The pass rush, okay, you need to crank the pass rush up more. It was not quite getting home. Now, the Rams do have a pretty decent offensive line, but the real issue with the defense right now is the secondary. You have your most experienced player and the longest 10-year defensive back on the Bears roster right now is actually Eddie Jackson. He's been with the team since 2017. Other than that, you have players like Artie Burns, Kendall Vildor, Duke Shelley, Marquis Christian, Jalen Johnson, Deshaun Gibson. Those are all players that have been acquired over the last one or two years. And then you add in the fact that Matt Nagy kind of said, hey, we're still trying to figure out who's at the nickel position. Now, my question with that comes down to this. Why are we going in week two of the season still trying to figure out who a starting quarterback is or sorry, starting cornerback is? What's going on here? But the number two, is there maybe a guy on the roster, like a Duke Shelley, for example, that you think could make a difference? Like if this secondary continues to struggle, what are you going to do to go ahead and address the secondary throughout the second half of the season? Are you going to trade for someone? Well, you could do that. But the issue with that is that the Bears already don't have a first and fourth round pick in 2021. And then what tends to happen at the trade deadline is teams are either going to buy or sell. And the Bears... They're not really in a mode that you always know because of how aggressive pace and Nagy want to be. They're going to end up buying if they do trade for a cornerback, but you realistically also know the better move both in the short term and in the long term would probably be to sell, kind of see what the price would be for some of your veteran players out there on the market. Even if you get like a fifth or a sixth round pick back, it's still significant draft capital that you can kind of use to continue to infuse the entire roster with young talent. And looking at the bears 2022 and beyond, I mean, this is a roster that's going to need more young talent than most people are willing to admit. Well, yeah. I mean, it goes back to the point that this team in 2021 just isn't ready to be, a Super Bowl contending or even really a true legitimate playoff contending team. Like I think like if everything went right for them this year, maybe they're on the fringe of getting a seventh seed, which I I've made that prediction early in the off season. Um, but I've kind of soured on that take a little bit. Like I've kind of, uh, I think I predicted them as a nine and eight to 10 and seven team early in the off season. I've kind of soured on this to a point where I feel like this team is more of a six to seven win team maybe they win eight if things go right for them and Justin Fields really hits the ground running right away when he eventually plays uh but like yeah like you said I mean this team they're they're not in a position to compete right now we clearly saw that against the Rams who are a Super Bowl contending type of team as we sit here right now in week one again it's week one don't overreact too much to what's going on here but Again, the, the Rams, they looked really good. The Bears, they, they did not look like they were in the same class as the Rams. So like you said, it makes sense to um, you know, keep in mind that if things 
you know, don't go a little bit sour here. Do we start training off veterans like Akeem Hicks? Do we start training off veterans? Uh, I don't know if you're going to get a lot for a guy like Akeem Hicks because they tried training him early in the offseason and they got nothing for him. Like there were no takers for him. So, um, you know, it's tough to, to see where this organization is at right now. And it seems like they're, you know, I, I feel like personally the Bears felt like they were going to be a lot more, a lot better than what they actually are uh, going into the season. And week one was a little bit of a reality check, but, you know, we'll see what happens. Again, you know, I feel like none of this really matters until Justin Fields actually starts and gets on the field with significant playing time going forward, which is infuriating to a degree because, like, we just know that everything with Andy Dalton is just a waste of time at this point. And I think we're going to get a sense of that with the players soon if things don't go well and they're not winning games uh, moving forward. Uh, but, you know, we'll, we'll see because it's, it's a long season. There's 16 more games ahead. And we'll just have to see how this team adjusts and what happens going forward. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Um, so changing gears here then to move away from the bears for now for the purpose of this episode today we have some college football to talk about you said it was a very i know it was a very exciting week of nfl football but it certainly was a very exciting week of college football as well with some upsets uh with some players that are going to be considered uh high risers in this draft showing out this week and i'll start with you you say to kind of kick off this college football conversation for uh this episode what were your general takeaways from this week of college football? Yeah, there was a lot to look at. I mean, obviously enjoyed watching some of the quarterbacks. I mean, Carson Strong's a name that from UNLV, I believe it is. He's really kind of catching on here in the scouting circles. And then you switch over to the Big Ten, Big 12, Iowa, Iowa State, I thought was a really fun game to watch. One player from that Iowa, Iowa State game that really impressed me was actually cornerback Matt Hankins. So he had a couple interceptions in that game. And then I thought when you watched him with the two interceptions, I mean, you saw pretty fluid hips, really good ball tracking skills. And then there's also a lot of raw speed on this play and then just considering the way that this cornerback class is shaping up I mean we know that there are names like Andrew Booth from Clemson you have Derek Singley Jr. from LSU you have Ohio State's very own seven banks well guess what right now those three players I just mentioned are locks for first round picks but I would not be surprised if this ends up developing into another very strong cornerback class where you can kind of reach into the second round possibly even find a hidden gem in the third round next spring that ends up being a starter on day one 
Yeah, we talked about the Bears having struggles in the secondaries. Well, they're going to be in luck, I think, in this next draft because you kind of mentioned this cornerback class is set to be loaded right now. And, you know, like you said, uh, with Iowa right here, I was watching that game as well, Iowa-Iowa State. I kind of made a tweet, uh, both kind of dissing the rivalry between Iowa and Iowa State and praising at the same time. You know, this is something, a rivalry that I caught on when I was in college like five, six years ago. Um, good buddy of mine, uh, it was a big Iowa fan and, you know, watching those college football games in college, um, you know, it, it's an interesting rivalry and it allows you to get, it, it has allowed me to get a good look at both of those programs and how they operate. And it, it was very fun um, to see one player in Iowa that stood out to me in this game, which it shouldn't be really surprised, but uh, Tyler Linderbaum, the center for Iowa, he's considered one of the best, if not the best center prospect as of right now. Uh, in this upcoming 2022 class, I uh, could have entered the draft last year, but decided to stay another year at Iowa to continue to develop because he has things to work on. Uh, he looks really good uh, for the center position. He's just a complete stud. And we talked about, you know, the Bears offensive line woes with Sam Mustafer. You know, is he really a long-term option? I look at Tyler Linderbaum and I see a guy who, you know, Iowa, they have an outside zone blocking scheme. Typically uh, they run pro concepts in the, in the running game. Um, and there's just a lot to like about Linderbaum. He's got a good athleticism, good enough power. Uh, you know, there's just a lot to like with his game. And on the opposite side of things with Iowa State, you know, one player that's been had his name in the draft circles for, you know, qu- it seems like quite a bit over the last couple of years, um, but hasn't really lived up to any, like any sort of hype, uh, at least in my opinion, has been Brock Purdy, quarterback for Iowa State. It seemed like last year, you know, going into the year, he was considered a guy that could be, you know, a sleeper day two to pick type of type of player and, you know, did not have a great year last year necessarily. And it was a struggle for him in this game against Iowa. And I'm just, I'm me personally, I, I just don't see it with Brock Purdy. And I know he's been someone that again, a lot of people, not a lot of people in the draft community don't like a lot of people in the draft community do like a little bit. It's like a late round type of pick, but uh, Brock Purdy for me, didn't quite see it in this one. Yeah, man. I mean, Brock Purdy certainly struggled and it gets to a certain point where I think that there's just the cap on a lot of these quarterbacks and you just kind of get a feel for, okay, this is who these prospects are. And we've kind of seen enough to really warrant. And it's not necessarily writing anyone off. I just think it's more so if you see some of these guys play college for two, three, four years, and then they eventually do make the jump to the NFL. But even when they make the jump, it's just like, okay, you realize, well, were they really that special in college? Not really. Obviously, you have these players like Joe Burrow that are the exception to the rule. I'll even throw Zach Wilson in there. I think the next guy in that line is going to be Matt Corral from Ole Miss, who everyone projects to be kind of the biggest riser this year. But the point is, you have these guys like Tanner Morgan from Minnesota, Brock Purdy from Iowa State. You know, they're just so limited what they've done in 2019 2020 kind of you see the very same stuff here in 2021 so can they end up being good developmental guys at the next level yeah but ultimately like I said I mean they're just too limited to really justify making a big rise and what's interesting about guys like Morgan and Purdy is that oftentimes they have pretty solid rosters around them it's just those rosters can't take things to the next level because those quarterbacks struggle tremendously yeah, with the thing with Purdy and certainly Tanner Morgan as well, just a lack of physical tools that really limits their ceiling and ability to, you know, even if they work on some of the other aspects of playing quarterback, like 
even if they if if they perfect some of those things like what is the what is the physical tool set there that you can work with to really maximize an offense and that's just something that i question like like purdy had this one interception he threw where uh he's throwing a deep ball down the middle of the field and his wide receiver actually had a step i believe on the defensive back and he just threw a duck in the middle of the field and threw under threw by like five seven yards and you know that was really the first big play of the game in this one and you know that's something that's been a regularity for purdy i feel like uh when watching him play and uh, yeah, certainly not the greatest look, but it kind of uh, puts into perspective, you know, this quarterback class, you know, again, there are some intriguing guys at the top, but, um, you know, if, if you wanted to get a great quarterback prospect, I, I feel like, you know, this past draft in 2021 was, that was, it was it, man, you know, five quarterbacks going to the first round, there were certainly, you know, we'll see what ends up developing over the course of this year, but uh, yeah, you know, court, early returns on the quarterback class so far been a little bit mixed so far so we'll have to see how that plays out but speaking of quarterbacks let's move on to one of the bigger upsets of the weekend and that was Ohio State falling to Oregon at Ohio State and this is you know interesting this is a game that I preview um I call out specifically in our last episode as a game that I was interested in watching uh because I wanted to see come on Thibodeau um, for Oregon play in this one he did not play he was out with an injury in this one that he suffered in week one so that was disappointing but man how about Oregon here in this game pulling off the upside against Ohio State who's been a juggernaut over the last few years and you know doing that on the road at Ohio State without their best player on the team certainly impressive stuff and I think uh, w- one of the big storylines in this one was you know CJ Stroud you know, we talk about, you know, Justin Fields being that special type of prospect for the Bears when they drafted him. And we're certainly seeing that CJ Stroud, while he isn't necessarily playing bad for Ohio State, uh, you can definitely see the drop off there from a guy like Justin Fields, who uh, from day one of Ohio State, just you knew he had it as a quarterback prospect. Yeah, and you talk about the drop-off. I mean, I think one of the major drop-offs that we've seen is just the lack of explosive plays from Ohio State. You look at Ohio State the last two seasons, 2019 and 2020, well, what really happened? I mean, Justin Fields' explosiveness, his ability to kind of hit the deep ball with consistency, open up opportunities for players like wide receiver Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson, two guys that are going to be first-round draft picks in 2022. All of a sudden with C.J. Stroud, you saw it with Minnesota in that week one game where early on kind of struggled and then really settled down as the game went on. But then this game, this Oregon-Ohio State game, I mean, I just felt like C.J. Stroud was all over the place. And I understand he's only 19 years old. Can he turn things around because it is a long season? Absolutely. But then there's two things we have to keep in mind. Number one, the best players are ascending players consistently show out and play much better and better and better against some of the best programs in the country. Oregon is not necessarily, there's, well, there's chatter about Oregon possibly cracking and getting back into the playoffs with Mario Cristobal being a playoff team, but Oregon kind of gave CJ Stroud fits. And so now you have to begin to wonder, Hey, what is Ryan day going to do? Because they did kind of have an open competition at the quarterback position in Columbus this year. Does it necessarily mean that's, CJ Stroud's going to turn out to be just bad. No, but are there some concerns? Absolutely. Especially knowing that over the last couple of years, what really made the difference for Ohio state was everything that started and ended with the quarterback position. Yeah. And we talk about CJ Stroud, maybe struggling a little bit, but to put this into perspective here, 
Stroud still threw for 484 yards and three touchdowns in this game. Like there's a lot of production still that he had uh, on the table here for uh, Ohio State in this game. Like he still showed some flashes of a quarterback that is very talented um, and certainly has some upside to work with here. And like you said, only 19 years old in his first year as a starter. So um, he certainly is not a finished product. And um, I, I know like even Justin Fields in his first year as a starter at Ohio State, he had some warts on his film that he needed to work on uh, throughout the course of his career that he, I thought, perfected, or I wouldn't say perfected, but certainly improved quite a bit in his second season at Ohio State. So, um, you know, I, I wouldn't say that, you know, it's time to panic on C.J. Stroud. Like, again, I think he's still a very talented quarterback, and we'll just have to see how, um, you know, his career evolves here, how his season continues to develop. Uh, but, you know, it, it – Again, like we said before, the, the drop off between him and a guy like Justin Fields, uh, you you definitely see it out there. And, you know, the big thing for me is, like you said, the, the deep ball accuracy, making plays down the field. Uh, that was a specialty of Justin Fields game. And we, we've seen it here in Chicago so far. Um, that was it's been something I've been missing a little bit for CJ Stroud, been a little bit inconsistent with that over his first two games. And what got me here was, you know, the Ohio State, they only scored 28 points in this game. And, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, only 28 points. Like, that's still a good amount of uh, production right there. You know, for Ohio State, what this offense is capable of, yeah, you expect more from this Ohio State offense with Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson, and the offensive line that they have here. Um, all the pieces are there for this Ohio State offensive line. And the fact that, especially late in the game, they could not really get anything going on this Oregon defense again I, I emphasize it without their best player um, it, it shows that he's got a lot of work to do and you know it's something that you know we'll have to see how he does over the course of this season because again first year's a starter we'll see what happens with them yeah like I said I mean I am excited to see what Stroud's going to do moving forward but then also just irrespective of Stroud I mean you look at the OSU roster, there are a couple defensive players. I know Zach Harrison's one name that when we look at the last couple of years, I mean, Ohio State, who have they sent to, in terms of edge rushers, who have they sent to the NFL? You're looking at Nick and Joey Bosa, the Bosa brothers, and then you're also looking at um, Chase Young, another one. And now a lot of people tend to believe that Zach Harrison's the next great Ohio State edge rusher that's going to be kind of coming up from that pipeline. But I will say this regarding Zach Harrison. I mean, I do not see him being as physically talented. Does he have the tools? Yeah. But the thing is, he's just not as physically talented. He's just not the athlete that some of these other guys were. Well, it's always hard to compare to a guy like Chase Young, who is just like him, Miles Garrett, Thibodeau. Like those guys are just absolute freaks of athletes uh, at the address rusher position. So to expect anyone to be at that level, like Ohio State's been churning out, like you said, he's churning out these edge rushers year after year after year, it seems. Uh, they've done a great job, and we'll just have to see how he does. But another edge rusher I want to talk about who actually had a, another big game uh, this past weekend uh, was Aiden Hutchinson of Michigan. So another Big Ten edge rusher, pass rusher here. You know, Aiden Hutchinson's been an interesting player for me, you know, looking at his game over the past couple of years when I've really started to pay attention and, you know, I would say scout him a little bit because I thought he was a guy that could have gone in last year's draft and been a third round pick. I thought a day, a late day two, early day three pick because of the physical tools he had, but it seemed like he never really parlayed that into production and consistency over the course of a season. Um, and he really showed out in this past week, two and a half sacks. So it was really explosive off the edge. And he, the thing with Hutchinson is he's a very versatile player because he's been used as an inside guy. He's been used as an edge rusher. 
uh, defensive t- rushing from the inside as a defensive tackle. Like they use him in a variety of ways at Michigan. I'm really excited to see uh, because it seems like he's starting to get into that first round pick conversation for the first time. And, you know, Hutchinson, again, he's a really talented player. I'm really, I'm really intrigued to see what he does this year because he already has three and a half sacks or two games so far. And if he can continue to add to that and really um, stack on game after game after game after game, you know, we're looking at him potentially having a breakout year like a quitty pay for Michigan last season and getting into that first round pick, uh, first round pick conversation. Yeah, I really like Aiden Hutchinson, and he was actually on, I believe, the Big Ten's watch list of edge rushers to keep an eye on. I mean, looking at him, I think he has all the physical tools, and then you mentioned the versatility. I think what's key to know, especially with a lot of these players that do play linebacker, is that the NFL values those players more and more and more now as the game kind of continues to evolve. I mean, the latest example that I want to cite is go back to the 2019 draft. Isaiah Simmons, linebacker from Clemson, he was a top five pick. I mean, he played pretty much all over the field. I know Brent Venables, the defensive coordinator for Clemson, actually had him playing safety at one point, too. I'm not saying Aiden Hutchinson is going to play safety, but I do think that that level of versatility that Hutchinson brings is really going to help his case. And then in terms of where he's going to grade on draft boards, because of the versatility, I think that for some teams, he's going to grade much higher on draft boards compared to others. So take a team like the Arizona Cardinals, for example, all right? They have their current defensive scheme there, their current defensive coordinator going into 2022, which I fully expect. They're going to have Hutchinson graded much higher than a team and a scheme such as the Green Bay Packers, let's say, or the Minnesota Vikings. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, Aiden Hutchinson's game, it's very interesting because I wouldn't say his scheme fit is interesting because I'm not sure if he's a traditional 3-4 edge in terms of being that outside linebacker that can drop back into coverage. Like, I think he's more of a guy uh, I look at kind of similar to what a Michael Bennett was, if you remember, for the Seattle Seahawks for so many years where, you know, he was that big-bodied edge on early downs where he could set the edge, he could penetrate into the backfield with his, you know, quick good quickness. Um, you know, certainly rush off the edge um, in spurts there, but where he, where Michael Bennett really made his money was as an interior rusher when they went to those third down packages and he could, you know, kick inside and and really cause havoc against guard with his length and quickness and all that stuff. Aiden Hutchinson has all the tools to be that type of player, I think. And 
it'll just be a matter of can you maximize that this season, I think. And, um, you know, to kind of continue on to our college football conversation here, you said I'll go with you. What, what's your final takeaway from uh, is college football week two uh, before we get to week three here? Yeah, I thought overall it was just a solid week. I mean, you look at teams like Clemson, okay, finally getting their first win. And then another major takeaway was that Alabama continues to remain king. And I know we briefly touched on it last week because last week was the first week of the Bryce Young era. But it just goes to show you the phenomenal job that's being done in Tuscaloosa in terms of plugging and playing and then continuing to develop talent, not necessarily missing a beat because I don't think I know this last week, but pretty much everyone on that Alabama offense, except for offensive tackle Evan Neal, turned pro. So when you're breaking in 9-10 new play, 8-9-10 new players on an offense, I mean, you would think it takes time to gel, but really with Bama, I mean, they have not missed a beat at all. And then I think another quick takeaway would just be that um, – Notre Dame has safety Kyle Hamilton, one of the top projected safety prospects in the 2022 draft. And I have to say, I mean, it was apparent against FSU. It was apparent last week as well. Notre Dame seemingly does seem to struggle sometimes, especially in the secondary. And I know Kyle Hamilton's super rangy, but we have to understand is he can't make every single play. So the next question is, hey, for Brian Kelly, who's going to be the defensive back that's going to step up for you and kind of help Hamilton all the time? Yeah, Kyle Hamilton looks – he looks like that type of guy where, you know, safeties, I, I'm not a huge fan of taking those guys early in drafts because that position is – I wouldn't say a replaceable position, but it's not as valuable as cornerback or edge rusher or tackle or receiver or quarterback, obviously. But um, to have a game-changing weapon like him at safety where he can do everything in, in the secondary for you at such a high level, uh, Kyle Hamilton is a – uh, freak among freaks, man. Uh, I think he had two interceptions, I, I believe, in that FSU game. Um, one of them was just ridiculous. Um, and he looks he looks legit. And kind of touching on your point you made about Alabama, I mean, Alabama, what a machine they have right there in Tuscaloosa, man. Like uh, Bryce Young, he's continued to look good so far. That offensive line, Evan Neal looks like a complete monster right now at left tackle really excited to see how he does because you know this past draft was a very strong uh tackle class uh after a very strong class in 2019 or 2020 i should say as well you know the last two classes of offensive tackles have been really solid um overall and if evan neal can be that guy uh in 2022 that's really going to boost this class quite a bit but speaking of alabama that kind of helps us transition to this next week of college football looking forward to week three um, you know, because Alabama, they play Florida uh, this weekend. They had a little bit of a, uh, I wouldn't say, yeah, I would say a little bit of an easy week this past week uh, going up against um, a pretty easy opponent here. But Florida, once again, they're going up against a tough, usually a tough defensive team in Florida here um, in SEC play. So excited to see that game. But other than that, you say, is there any game uh, this upcoming weekend that really you're really looking forward to seeing uh, whether it's because of a prospect or you're looking forward to a key matchup or just because of the entertainment value of the game in general. Yeah. So there's actually three and I do have questions for each of them. So Iowa state's playing university of Nevada, Las Vegas. Hey, what is running back Brees Hall going to do? He's become a foundational piece of the Cyclones offense. And then switching over to that, I mean, I'm, Got a couple ACC teams here with UNC playing Virginia. Now, Sam Howell struggled in week one, rebounded in week two, 
had three touchdowns against a weaker opponent in Georgia State. But the question for Sam now becomes, hey, can he rebound? He just did. But the real question is this, is can he build off that strong performance and then continuously stack a couple of performances here? And then keeping an eye on Iowa versus Kent State. Look, we know that Iowa continues to produce some of the best offensive linemen in the country. And the Bears have shown that they're willing to go back to Iowa from time to time if there's a really quality offensive lineman that's available. And so my question is this. I mean, just watching some of those snaps from – the Iowa Iowa State game last week. Tyler Lindenbaum, I think my takeaway from him is that he's a man amongst boys. And so what is he gonna continue to do against Kent State here to solidify his status as um a first round prospect? And then one last thing for me here, but Texas AM has like five or six projected first rounders. Okay. Now those guys struggled and people say that this Aggie squad is actually the best that Jimbo Fisher's had. My question is this is, Hey, Texas A&M, are you legitimately ready to rebound? Because you basically beat Colorado. Like I think it was Colorado or Colorado state. You beat them 10 to seven. You struggled throughout the game for a team that has, five projected first rounders like I mentioned a moment ago like hey what exactly happened what are you going to do as the seventh ranked team in the country to kind of rebound and get back on track yeah you got to see more from Texas A&M I mean, obviously scoring only, only scoring 10 points is not good enough especially especially with the current state of the SEC where more teams are offensively driven um you know nowadays um but like you said about Linderbaum continue that conversation there he's a player I'm really excited for Obviously, I mean, you can never go wrong, I feel like, with Big Ten offensive linemen. Uh, and that's been a trend that's that's worked for years and years and years. It seems like uh, Wisconsin, Iowa, those programs just churn out really quality NFL offensive linemen, even Michigan to a degree. Um, and, you know, again, we'll just have to see how he does in his development going forward because he's shown a lot of encouraging signs so far uh, this season. But for me, the game I'm focused on right here is Cincinnati going up against Indiana. And the reason I'm curious to watch this game is because of Desmond Ritter, quarterback here. He had a very solid week one. Um, and, and Desmond Ritter, again, another quarterback prospect that could have entered the draft last in his past draft here and probably would have gone, I think, late day two, early day three is a guy with uh, some intriguing athleticism, intriguing arm talent to work with here. Uh, but hasn't quite been consistent so far in his career at Cincinnati. Well, he's going to go up against a tough test going up against an Indiana defense who we all know from last year that Justin Fields, when he went up against the same Indiana defense, really struggled with the blitz packages and all the exotic scheming that Indiana does on defense. And, you know, that's one of my questions for Desmond Ritter. Like, can he handle exotic blitz packages and exotic, you know, coverages? And can he be accurate enough to – you know, really burn teams when they make mistakes in coverages because Indiana, they're going to blitz a lot. They're going to bring the pressure and Desmond Ritter is going to have to beat this team with his arm. So I'm really interested to see how he does because, you know, playing at Cincinnati, he's played on a lot of teams where the team he, he is on is clearly the best team on the field. He's got the most talent to work with week in and week out. And I'm not sure if that's going to be quite be the case against Indiana, who, you know, Indiana is not a powerhouse program. You know, they had a really good year last year, and there's going to be – I'm not sure there's too much carryover from that, uh, but, yeah, it's going to be an intriguing game nonetheless. 
Yeah, that Indiana defense. So I actually looked at the list of matchups this weekend too, and I was like, okay, Cincinnati versus Indiana. I mean, I was going to pick that, but I'm like, no, let me go with something a bit different because I did have a feeling that you were going to pick that game because we've been doing this for so long, so we know (laughs) what both of us are thinking. But yeah, listen, Desmond Ritter is interesting, and you mentioned him possibly going late day two or early day three. What's interesting about Ritter is that there were actually debates this past draft class, just refreshing for our listeners here, about him possibly being quarterback five in this class. So it just goes to show that Ritter is one of the more intriguing names in this has been, he's been one of the more intriguing names on the NFL radar over the last couple seasons. So what you're seeing from him is really a year where this IU game this week is going to be something that is going to legitimately cement, not necessarily cement his draft stock, but it's going to be one of those games where people kind of look at when finalizing his draft stock, they're going to look at this IU game as one of the determining factors. And that's why it's going to be so critical for him to come out and have a really strong game. Yeah. It's going to be one of those things where you look at and you say, if he plays well, that's going to be a good thing for his draft stock moving forward because he's doing that against a big 10 competition against a defense that has given quarterbacks like Justin Fields troubles uh, in the past here. Um, We look at the game that Justin Fields threw three interceptions against them last season. Um, but if he has a bad game, that's one of those pre-draft narratives where you can look at him and say, well, he's been good against these lower level competition schools, but when he had to go up against the big boys, he struggled quite a bit. So it's going to be a big game, I think, for the narrative surrounding Desmond Ritter as we head into this draft cycle here for 2022. And we'll see how he responds. I think, I think he needs to have a big game this weekend. Uh, that'll be at, I believe, 11 a.m. Central time on ESPN on Saturday. We'll see what happens, but you know, speaking of this upcoming weekend of football, I think this is a good time to wrap up this podcast talking about this Bears Bengals game. Uh, you said in previewing this game. Um, so I'll start with you. You said looking at, forward to this week two game, Andy Dalton getting a chance to have a little bit of a revenge game uh, against the Cincinnati Bengals team, the team that he played for for about a decade there in Cincinnati. Uh, it's the Bears home opener. What are you looking forward to in this game? Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Well, the first thing you're looking forward to, like I mentioned, is fans being back in the stands. That's always going to be fun. But then what I think this game is going to come down to is this, hey, the Bears secondary versus the Bengals trio of wide receivers. When you look at Cincinnati, okay, you have a top five pick there in Jamar Chase. Then you look at Tyler Boyd, T. Higgins, some really good number two and number three wide receivers. And so what are these guys like Jalen Johnson, Kendall Wilder going to go ahead and do, as well as Marky Christian, Duke Shelley, Eddie Jackson, Sean Gibson? What is this Bears secondary going to do to continuously slow down this Cincinnati offense? And then Bilal Nichols today on Thursday, September 16th, spoke to the media, kind of talked about, how, hey, listen, Joe Burrow is definitely more athletic than most people make him out to be. He's a really smart, instinctive quarterback. He's able to kind of go ahead and hit any throw, okay? I think that all the preseason reports about Joe Burrow where he was struggling with 
hitting receivers. They were incompletions. He was a player that just wasn't playing with confidence. When you watch Cincinnati week one against Minnesota, it actually looked like the Joe Burrow of old pre-ACL injury Joe Burrow. He's playing with confidence. And then I think the most underrated factor in this game is just the fact that Jamar Chase didn't play in 2020. Joe Burrow was in the NFL in 2020. Those guys haven't necessarily played in a complete game together outside of week one in almost a year, but both of them did not miss a B. And so, hey, can the Bears secondary contain this trio of Bengals wide receivers? And then for the Bears pass rush, are you going to get this cranked up for the Bears offense? Are you guys going to be able to go ahead and finish? Because it's nice that you got into Rams territory eight times, had the ball for about 35 minutes, but also that quantity of possessions is pretty much meaningless when you can't consistently finish. And field goals are not going to do it for the Bears. They're going to need touchdowns because this Cincinnati, the roster in general for Cincinnati is just hungry to prove itself. Yeah, I think the offense needs a big game in this one because I am not confident in the defense being able to contain this uh like you said, this Bengals wide receiver room is really, really good. Like Jamar Chase, I know everyone was clowning him for the drops in the preseason, which I mean, it is what it is, but he looked like the type of wide receiver one type of prospect that a lot of people thought he was going into this past draft. He looked really, really good. And like you said, that Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, LSU connection didn't miss a beat in week one. They looked like very, they looked very comfortable working together once again. And it's a very scary thing when you add in guys like T Higgins, uh, Tyler Boyd, Boyd, uh, Joe Mixon out of the backfield at running back. Like the Bengals have some weapons here on offense. And, you know, I'm not sure the Bears have the talent in the secondary uh, to be able to handle that. Uh, so they're, like you said, they're going to need a big game from the pass rush. But more importantly, they need to score points. And, you know, we need to see, like you said, uh, they need to be able to run the ball efficiently. You know, the Bengals, they have a very strong and stout uh, front seven they showed that against the Vikings uh, you know containing Dalvin Cook in that game for the most part getting after Kirk Cousins uh, in the passing game with their pass rush uh, the Bengals they have some talent in that front seven like I said but there are a lot of weaknesses I think in the secondary you have to obviously be aware of Jesse Bates at safety he's one of the most underrated players in the NFL uh, one of the best ball hawks in the NFL uh, just a very he's just a stud at safety uh, for Cincinnati he's going into a contract year so you have to be mindful of him uh, deep down the field. Uh, but I think the cornerbacks for the Cincinnati Bengals, that's a matchup. I think that favors the bears wide receivers and they can get some big plays to Darnell Mooney and Marquise Goodwin down the field. That'll open up things for Allen Robinson in the intermediate part of the field where Andy Dalton can really uh, find a nice connection with Robinson on a lot of those quick timing routes where they can pick up yards after the catch and move the ball efficiently, because I'm not sure if the running game is going to work as well in this one. Uh, just because of the fact that I think the Bengals are going to commit more to stopping the run and they have, you know, they have a lot of size and beef up front that I think the bears will have a tough time with, but if they can counteract that with more explosive plays in the passing game, that'll go a long way for them. And like you said, uh, on defense, the pass rush, they have to get home. You know, the Vikings had five sacks on Joe Burrow in week one, this Bengals offensive line is still one of the worst in the league. Like it's, it's there with the Chicago bears among like the bottom tier of offensive lines in the NFL right now. The Bengals did not really improve that group much in the offseason. The pass rush needs a big game. We need Cleo Mack to have a big game. We need Akeem Hicks to continue to play like he played in uh, in Sunday's game against the Rams. Robert Quinn needs to build off what I thought was a pretty solid debut, debut for him in week one. Uh, he looked a lot better than I thought he did last year, looked more explosive. 
And, and Bilal Nichols, we need to see him step up because he did not have a good game, in my opinion, against the Rams. He needs to have a big game in this one as well. Their guards for Cincinnati Bengals is a very weak group, and I think that's something the Bears can take advantage of, hopefully. But, you know, we'll see. In terms of uh, kind of going to our predictions here, you say I'll go with you. What is your prediction? Who do you think wins? And what do you think the X factor is uh, for, I guess, what the score is and what the X factor is going to be? Yeah, so I'm going to go with the Bears beat the Bengals 24 to 20. I do think the Bears have a slightly more experienced roster, so obviously that's going to make a big difference here. I also think that Andy Dalton is going to have his way with his former team and have a bit of a revenge game, which, fun fact, the last time the Bengals were at Soldier Field was 2014, and Andy Dalton was the quarterback for the Bengals, and the Bears still ended up winning, I think, on a fourth quarter comeback, thanks to Jay Cutler. But, yeah, it's going to be Bears 24, Bengals 20. And then also I do think that David Montgomery is going to have a career game here. I know that Cincinnati has one of the best run defenses in the NFL. They're actually, I think, ranked sixth overall. But, hey, David Montgomery's breakaway speed was apparent in that 41-yard run against the Rams. He says he's gotten faster this offseason. Those results have translated over to the regular season so far. So Dave Montgomery is going to have a big game. And I also think that the Bears are going to go ahead and run the ball more just to continue to wear down this Cincinnati defense because I think Matt Nagy's finally realizing, hey, I can use David Montgomery as a means of setting up deep shots because the Bears need to keep this Cincinnati defense guessing every single play. Yeah, we didn't talk about David Montgomery earlier, but he looked awesome in that week one game against the Rams. Like we talked about what are the positives from that game. David Montgomery, huge positive. I'm excited to see what he does this year. And you know, it's he very well could have a big game this one. Um, but like you said, that, that run defense is tough. And uh for me, I, I kind of agree with you. I think the Bears win this game in this one. I'm going with a little bit more of a high scoring game, 31 to 27 Bears. Yeah, I think they I think they have a good game showing on offense in this game. And a lot of that has to do with, like you said, David Montgomery and the running running game getting going. But I think this offense, they're going to get some explosive plays down the field in this game. Like from what we both saw in training camp this year and what we saw in the preseason, I don't think um, Matt Nagy is content with a dink and dunk um, type of offense uh, going forward this year. I think with all the speed they added at wide receiver, they want to take vertical shots down the field. They want to be aggressive. They want more explosive plays in the passing game. And I think we're going to see that against a Bengals team that has a weaker secondary and isn't as um, interested as the Rams are in limiting deep passes as much. You know, the Rams, they have a very unique defense to the fact that they do everything they can to limit deep shots down the field. And I feel like a lot of what the Bears did last week in terms of the quick passes, the quick curls, the dink and dunk, uh, running the ball, a lot of that was just because of the fact that it was a game plan for the Rams defense specifically. I think we're going to see a little bit more um, deep shots down the field in this one. I'm hoping that we get to see more play action in this game. I think that's going to be a key in this one. You know, can the Bears, you know, we talk about establishing the run with David Montgomery. You know, can they start working some play action so- shots off of those run plays uh, with David Montgomery to open up things down the field? I think that's going to be the thing for me that I think they need to show that they do because Matt Nagy did not utilize a lot of play action in week one. That was one of the frustrating things for me. Really one of the, only huge critiques I had of his play calling in week one, not a lot of play action. Um, maybe some of that was just a fear that Aaron Donald was going to wreck shit um, uh, with that play action regardless. But um, I, I need to see more of that. And I think the X factor in this game is going to be the pass rush. I don't think this defense is going to stop uh, the Bengals 
entirely. I think they still put up a lot of points, obviously with them scoring 27 points, uh, according to my projection here. But at the same time, if they can come away with, you know, three or four sacks and, and force Joe Burrow into an, uh, into an un into a bad throw and force an interception or two and get some of those game-changing plays on the defensive side of the ball, I think that's going to be a huge difference in this game. I expect I expect a big play or two from this pass rush that really turns the tide of this game in the Bears' favor. So 31-27 for me, Bears win. Um, overall, I think it's going to wrap it up for us here in this episode uh, tonight, you said. Um I want to thank all of our listeners for tuning into this episode of picks for pace today. Uh, make sure to follow us on social media, on Twitter at picks for pace. You say, where can our listeners find your work at the bear Report and follow you on social media? Yeah, guys, you can follow me on Twitter at Usaid Polish. Check out my work on the bear report with the bear season here. I'm going to have one post game article on Sunday nights, and then I will have an article on Wednesday or Thursday previewing the game for the following week and then we're going to be doing this podcast as well probably just dropping it on friday morning so be sure to keep an eye out for everything yeah absolutely make sure to give you say to follow and read his work on the bear report as for me uh you can find me on twitter at aj freeman 25 and you can find my work in the bear report as well make sure to check out my latest article which was the tracking the trenches where i looked at the bears pass rush and pass blocking in the last game against the Rams. I'm going to be doing that for every single game uh, this season that the Bears play, um, trying to give you guys a breakdown of, you know, how the Bears are doing in the in the trenches when it comes to the passing game. Uh, it was something I did last year. I have a lot of fun putting it together, and it's it's really it's a really fun uh, series to put together. Uh, and speaking of a fun series to put together, uh, also make sure to check out on the Bear Report YouTube channel um, – my latest film review for the bears game against the Rams. Again, something I'll be doing every single week for every single game this year. And, you know, just something where I'm going over, you know, 10 or so plays, you know, some of the good stuff I'm seeing, some of the bad I'm seeing schematic things, breaking all that stuff down, players that stand out, all that stuff for you guys. So make sure to check all of that out. Uh, Once again, I want to thank everyone for tuning into this podcast today. And hopefully when we are recording this episode next week, we are recording after a Bears win against the Bengals in the home opener. But until that point, Bears fans, bear down and have a great weekend. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.